Data analytics, of course the fintechs get it. Or do they? One of the most surprising things to come out of a report from the TAG Fintech Society is that fintechs have a long way to go with data analytics and its application. Where does the fintech sector stand right now and what's been the forward movement worth highlighting? To find out, we'll be talking with data analytics expert Don Campbell. Welcome to BAI Banking Strategies, where each week we'll focus on the key issues facing financial services leaders. We'll bring you objective opinions and actionable insights that'll help you power smart decisions. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, the managing editor of BAI. Come on in. Welcome back to listeners of the BAI Banking Strategies podcast, and welcome to new listeners. This is the first episode of season two. As always, the podcast posts on Mondays, and you can check us out through Apple's podcast app, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. And we're starting off season two with a bang. VAI Beacon, of course, will be in Atlanta this October. The two-day conference provides new perspectives on the most important issues in the financial services industry. Now, the Atlanta area, you may have heard, has a booming fintech community. Technology Association of Georgia is headquartered in Atlanta, and its mission is to educate, promote, influence, and unite Georgia's technology community. TAG just released its 2017 report, Data Analytics and Big Data in Financial Services. It has excellent insights into the fintech community, whether you're in Atlanta, Silicon Valley, London, or points beyond. Today, we're talking with Don Campbell. He's the lead author on the report and the managing principal and president at Wright Course in Alpharetta, Georgia. Don, it's great to have you here on the program today. Well, thanks, Lou. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. It should be a good one. One of the reasons I'm excited to have you here is because there is this stereotype. All of the fintech innovation is coming from the Silicon Valley. The Silicon Valley is where it's at. Nothing could be further from the truth, especially when it comes to Georgia and the fintech ecosystem where you are. It's certainly true that Silicon Valley is providing a lot of the innovation. Companies like PayPal and others are doing a lot. The way we look at it is when they try to go to the last mile, which is getting to the people, getting to the homes and into the electronic wallets of consumers, they really need to go through the Atlanta ecosystem or superstructure. There's about 90 or so organizations in the North Georgia area, we'll say, that they're kind of concentrated here in the Atlanta area. We aren't so much a banking center as we are a payment processing center. So in this area, Lou, for example, uh, we do about 36 billion transactions through about 4 million merchants around the world, we're processing transactions as cards are being swiped, whether they're prepaid, credit, debit. We capture the information, process, or refuse a transaction if it's being run in a fraudulent way. When it comes to payments, um, Georgia has such a vibrant scene, as you just made clear for us. When I turn to this report that TAG has done, you made an incredible statement here that, again, goes against a stereotype, at least that I have. Here's what you had to say in the report. The inconvenient truth is that the fintech community is lagging in their use of data and analytics. 
Okay, I'm going to repeat that last part because it's incredible to me. The fintech community is lagging in their use of data and analytics to drive their businesses compared to other industries. How on earth can that be? If you compare them to organizations like Apple or Amazon or the big telecommunications companies, they certainly are lagging. As you know, we actually did two uh, primary research studies, one in 2014, and the one we're talking about today was updated at the very end of 2016. And What we saw back in 2014 was very little investment in data analytics. They were just beginning building the infrastructures, investing the technology, hiring data scientists, training their employees to understand how to work with data. In 2016, we measured this again, and there certainly are improvements that are being made, but nothing close to data analysis in the form of, let's use Amazon, for example. We've all bought books or other items from Amazon. And you know, as soon as you begin to process that, they'll give you a whole bunch of other things that you might be interested. If you'd like a book of history on Abraham Lincoln, well, maybe you'd like something on George Washington or other presidents. And so they constantly cross-selling, and that's based on data. Now I know why they like know so much about what I like. They're not reading my mind. They're using the data. They're using the data. They're using the history of the data, how frequently you buy, what kind of items you buy, whether your wife or your children are buying items through you. So they they have a pretty good idea of what you like and, and where you spend your money. And meanwhile, the data analytics investments are up in categories ranging from technology to improving skill sets. There's a lot in the report that suggests that there is progress. Now, how would you measure the way investments increased during that two-year period? We complemented the research with individual interviews of many of the leading executives here in town, and we saw two areas where the investment is beginning to you know, show some promise. One is in the technical platform. Think of the technical platform as all the computer network equipment that represents the infrastructure of how these transactions occur. And secondly, is the specialized software that they're using for areas like analytics, predictive analytics, and the analysis of big data, which is a whole new realm, a whole new category of software that has begun to become more popular in the last uh, three or four years. Business intelligence software has done a great job in allowing organizations to what's called slice and dice the data, which is let's look at it from a three-dimensional perspective and let's find interesting reasons that something may have occurred. That then evolved to analytics and predictive analytics and the uh, big data uh, tools that, uh, that are becoming more preeminent today. Right from the report, 52% of respondents in 2016 believe their organizations are very competitive in data analytics solutions. 38% believe their organization will be ahead of competitors by 2020. Given how far fintechs, for example, need to go, are they just wearing rose-colored glasses here? Or is there reason to believe that those self-assessments have something to them? I think those self-assessments are probably very accurate. The question in this industry is, 
who might be a disruptor, who could potentially take data and make it a differentiator in a competitive environment. So if you've got one payment processor against another payment processor, those relationships don't tend to change a lot. So if you're doing a better job of packaging your data, servicing your customers' need for information and all their own analytics to define and run their business better, then they are providing some true value to the customer. And of course, all of these financial relationships are built on trust. And there's no question that analytics and the visualization of data, in other words, the presentation of data back to the owners, be they the consumers who have credit card arrangements with the bank or deposit relationships with the bank or loan relationships, the more information they present, the better it is. So like in your own experience, you probably have a relationship with a bank. You may have loans from that bank. And how well does that bank actually package that whole relationship about you and present you opportunities to make things better? And it sounds like the more data you have, the more analytics you've performed, and the more you've packaged that into understanding and actionable insights, the better that trust factor is going to be and the more potential for doing really positive, productive business with bank customers. Exactly. And the key word you used there was actionable insights, the ability to see data. And then we kind of get into some new realms of technology, machine learning and artificial intelligence. So if you have data that provides insights, you can program the system through specialized software, and this is called machine learning, that if a certain action happens, if a loan is paid down faster than expected, if the deposits are growing and there's opportunity to cross-sell other financial services, this is a great way for the banks and financial institutions to take advantage of. That's truly the monetization of data. Are we there yet? I think there's a lot of tools out there that are available that are good quality tools that can analyze, you know, relatively small amounts of data measured in terabytes, but also big data and analytical tools that can really look at and understand trends that occur in petabytes of data. And then you get to speed. If you're in a customer service situation, let's say at a bank, and you can have up in your screen changing trends that are occurring with a particular customer, commercial or residential, then you know you can help them make decisions and cross-sell them more quickly. So it's the ability to bring all this data together, understand trends, and then taking action on it. Actionable insight is what the true benefit of all this is. When you think about the work you've done at Right Course and with TAG, what particular things do you find exciting with data analytics that might be just around the corner or we're just starting to get there? I think what we're going to begin to see over the next couple of years is the concepts of independent data platforms that will occur to enable better collaboration amongst banks, financial institutions, and the payment processing industry. Probably the easiest way to talk about it is through fraud analysis. As all the retailers will tell you in the digital world, 
fraud via card not present is growing very rapidly as the bad guys are learning how to drive their kind of business through these digital retailers. So through the aggregation of data, we can learn more about those trends and do what's called scoring a fraud transaction. So just like you have a credit score that you may get from you know, one of the big credit bureaus, the same thing would apply here. You score a transaction based on the history of that individual. And to do that, you need to put a lot of data together to make these systems better. The large merchants out there, especially in the digital world, are very willing to invest in these kind of data aggregation platforms. I think we'll see the payment processing and banking industry begin to open their doors a little bit and look for ways to collaborate uh, on data to help both reduce costs, but also potentially offer more revenue-generating products. Don, uh, what a fantastic overview of what's going on in Georgia, what's going on in payments, what's going on in data analytics. Well, thank you, Lou. It's an industry that is, I think, looking up in terms of its future, and I think data is clearly going to be a big part of that. Hopefully, we're all looking up together. That's what it's all about. Don Campbell is the managing principal at Right Course LLC. Look for him on LinkedIn. You can check out the work of the TAG FinTech Society through their new report, the 2017 Research Update, Data Analytics, Big Data in Financial Services. The research was conducted in cooperation with Georgia Tech's Scheller College of Business. And here are three key takeaways from today's podcast. Number one, there's a concrete way to consider data analytics as it applies to retail. The more analytics and data that you've digested and the more information you can present to your customers, the better it is. And it's another opportunity to build trust into that relationship so that you can present them with products and services that matter to their financial well-being. Number two. Data management matters at the front end of addressing customer needs. It can drive customer action in any number of ways. These include advertising, cross-selling, and geocoding at the point of sale. And number three, the investment in data results in better collaboration and open doors between banks, the payments processing industry, and digital providers. It can reduce costs while at the same time take proactive measures to stop fraud. For example, scoring a fraud transaction. This collaboration is possible now, and to the extent that you can help facilitate it, you'll become a leader in the marketplace. And now BAI Banking Strategies is going to take you back, way back, 50 years back, to June of 1967 and the release of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band by the Beatles. One, two, three. You might wonder, what on earth could Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band have to do with the banking world? Well, that album was released on June 1st of 1967, and it was recorded at Abbey Road Studios in St. John's Wood in London. Now, if you were to get on the tube and head just 12 miles due north, you would get off at the Enfield stop 
And it was there at the Enfield Town Branch that Barclays Bank rolled out the first ATM machine for consumer use. The date, June 27, 1967, less than one month after Sgt. Pepper was released. Coincidence? You can be the judge of that, I suppose. <laughs> well, lame beetle limitations aside, it's time to put another podcast to bed. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check every Monday when a new podcast episode goes up. And please listen to our ever-growing archive at BAI.org. I'm Lou Carloso, the managing editor of BAI. We'll see you soon. So long. <laughs>